Nehemiah 2 and 18. The words of the Lord to the servant of God regarding God's call for the restoration of the city of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the walls and the gates. Words to this effect, but these are the words recorded in Scripture. Nehemiah is speaking here. And when he went, returned to the ancient city of Jerusalem, from which he was absent for many years. He was absent like thousands upon thousands of others of his fellow Jews. Because for some time before they being taken out of the city of Jerusalem to Babylon as captives, God had warned them. If you continue to disobey me, rebel against me, and trample over my commandments and blessings, I will bring you into judgment. And while God is a God of mercy, He is a God of judgment and justice. And the people disobeyed and they went into captivity for 70 years. And while they were gone, even before they left, the glorious city of God... The gates of the city were destroyed, burned down. temple was completely destroyed. The walls were torn down. And the whole book of Nehemiah is about the rebuilding. Nehemiah was called of God to respond to a need. And he said, Then I told them of the hand of my God which was upon me. He told the people to whom he returned to build the walls and the gate. I told them also of the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Before I have you seated in a moment, I want to offer a prayer. And I want to say this to you. You are an answer to my prayer today. You are the ones I ask God to send. Not by name, because I don't remember all names. Neither would you perhaps with this kind of size congregation. This is Vision Sunday for South Metro Ministries. This in my eyes of faith I saw coming years before you came today. And I have a task bigger than my frame or my mental capacity. But I have a God who doesn't find my frame or my capacity limiting, nor yours if I'm willing to be a vessel. So, please listen with the understanding that you are not here because there wasn't a ball game you could go to. You are here because Jesus ordained all of us for this time. Stretch your hands in my direction. Would you do me the good pleasure of praying for me? My Father, I thank you today that you are wrapping all of us in your arms. It's been powerful worship and music. There's been and is now the visitation of the Holy Ghost. I have no desire to talk about my plan. I want to talk about your plan. I have no desire to cast my vision. I want to cast your vision. And I pray that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. Pray for me, intercessors. Give us, make our heart like a good 
uh, well-prepared soil. Till our hearts with your word and put the seed of your word in our hearts and minds. And God, may we be agents of revival and change. We've all got our own bundles and baggage, but you, O oh God, have called us in spite of who we are to be part of what you're doing in these last days. And I thank you for the privilege and for the anointing. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? And amen it is. Thank you for being seated. Hastily, I, and yet not without deliberate prayer and meditation, I want to bring to you this morning something I'm going to build on for the next while here at this church because of God's strategic positioning of this ministry. What I'm going to say to you, you will hear me say some things of it later on and out of this message today. You will hear other lessons and messages because this is God's timing for all of us. The theme is rise up and build. I want to tell you where the Lord is leading us as a church and as a family of faith. I want to invite you to join in with what God is doing. And I have given you a prayer guide to introduce you to our journey. Twenty-two months ago, I gave the church a prayer guide. And I have mine now. It's dated 3-22-09. It was inserted in the worship folder, distributed to the services I gave one to all the elders of the church, all the staff, leadership of the church. And the title of this prayer guide 22 months ago is Prayer List for Future Building Projects. And the two words I have, or rather the three words I have at the top of that prayer list was no fear and wisdom. To pray 22 months ago for that. And now on the one of the 31 prayer points, the first one that you can look at with me is to pray that the spirit of wisdom and courage would come upon me because I've got a task that is bigger than me but not bigger than God. What I'm going to tell you this morning wasn't because I needed a sermon for today, so I came up with it last night. What I'm going to tell you this morning has been in the works for years. I spoke to you last year from the book of Habakkuk. And I didn't tell you everything, but I got you ready and I told you that Habakkuk says... Write the vision. The vision of God is what it means. The dream of God. Write it and make it plain. So that everyone who reads it can run with it. I want to do some teaching this morning, but I do feel the whoop glory spirit coming on. Habakkuk says about the vision of God and how it occurs on occasions that though it may not appear right now, it will come. Just move with it. So what I want to do in the introduction part of this lesson is talk to you about what is to come. I want to give you some foundation here. And I have a team of people that were in the first service, that's in this second service, who are praying for me and are part of this effort. And I've asked them for a little more sacrifice of their time, and they gladly gave it, those who were able to, to stay in this service. Maybe eight or ten of them. I want to show you what God says 
He wants us to do. And I want to invite you to begin praying with me about it. As we move to our, I hope by this summer, by by maybe mid-June or July, as everything unfolds by way of our architectural designs, by way of our uh, building plans, by way of the the, uh, codes and the different things we have to, the the hurdles we have to come over and we're grateful for where we are. I hope by mid-summer we can break ground on the extension, a new, new, not just an extension, outside this wall will be our new 1,500-seat sanctuary, three times the size of where you are now. In the building of this sanctuary and the other buildings that I will describe briefly in a moment, we're going to reface our building as it faces Highway 34. And we are going to, you know, when, when you're starting as a church and you're growing along, you've got to crawl a little bit and you've got to get up and walk a little bit like a toddler. Then you start walking good. And it's just the way it is with life. It is the way with ministry. Then you start running. And so here now, we, we want to give the, the appeal from Highway 34 on the public that there is no question with a towering golden cross that this is the house of God and we are trying to be the people of God. And we, we believe that as God supplies the means, we may not have the resources of Solomon, but we have the same God that Solomon has. And, and as God supplies the means, we want to give an outside veneer look and appearance to this house that tells people out there that this is the house of God and God deserves the best that we can give Him. Somebody say amen. And so you'll see several angles and several perspectives and much of these renderings that I show you are on the wall of our vision wall in, as we approach the next building. Some of these are older. I showed you this last year. Since that time, we have visited it again and modified and remodified and prayed and gone back to an architect. So come the middle of next month, I will have you the most current renderings. But this is as close as I can show you for the purposes that the Lord has led us today. In showing this to you, I I need to tell you that we will have a new 1,500-seat sanctuary that will look something like this, though the stage is going to be different because this is a little bit old and we've remodified for other reasons. The, the, the thought here that I want you to know is that we will have 1,500-seat sanctuary, but while we meet in that sanctuary, 500 other people can be ministered to in our children's ministry and our youth ministry while the adults are in the sanctuary. Our volunteers will be serving in ministry so that in one service we can house up to 2,000 worshipers and ministry volunteers. And somebody's thinking, why don't you build for 5,000? Why don't you build for for 4,000 already? And we are saying we want to be frugal and we want to be wise in what we do. And my prayer is that once we get to capacity for 1,500 seat, which 500 people elsewhere It'll be, of course, 2,000. Once we get that capacity, we'll just go to two services. And on one Sunday, we can facilitate 4,000 people in the house of God. I think that's good stewardship, and it also gives opportunity for the variety of times of worship. Amen? And after we run 4,000, God can just go ahead and rapture me because I think I'll be tired. I want you to observe on the floor level, we will have uh, chairs, padded chairs, and, and we will accommodate more people by chairs as opposed to pews. Let me, let me drop this in here for you now so you can know how to pray. I really didn't plan to do this in my notes, but the Spirit beckoned me this morning in the first service, and I'm doing it now. We've got to keep growing even while we grow to the next building. Uh, let me, let me, if you are in any doubt about why we're doing this, just look around, please. Huh? 
I mean, this, what you're seeing here is exact duplicate of the attendance this morning in the first service. Last Sunday, the combined attendance was 1,076 in both services. This Sunday, it, it was, I, I know because of, of how I've gotten accustomed to seeing the way that things flow, this is where we're going to be again. And what I'm saying to you is, we're, we're doing this so we can accommodate as many people as God is sending us. But here's something I need to tell you. Don't be surprised in the next couple of months when you come here, there won't be pews. There'll be chairs for everybody so that we can house more people. We are already studying how to move that wall from there and give us another 70 or more seats in that side of the building. If we move the pews out, bring in chairs, it'll cost us something. But we're, we're waiting to get in our building. for. We will probably get in for the next two years or so or maybe less. And what we're saying to you is that we need to keep growing. So if we can do some renovation in this building right here, we can put about 120 to 130 more people in each service every Sunday. And we can keep growing and blessing the work of the Lord. And how many know that God wants us to do everything we can to house His people? Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And I might tell you this too. I want you to know that sometimes while some of you look at me like if I have a word stamped on my head that says ignorant or he's stupid. I know sometimes you think, and you can pull anything over me. And I know not. I'm just only kidding here. But I also want you to know that when we have more people coming to worship, we're going to get larger offerings so we can pay for the building of the Lord. That's another thought I want you to have. <laughs> okay, I can tell you, I can get going already. I want you to, when, I, when, I, when you look at this, I want you to understand that we will also have stadium seating, the effect of, of uh, stadium seating to the back of the floor where it will be comfortable and accessible and we can accommodate more people closer to the place of worship. We are excited about that. When I tell you that, I want you to think about our stage area. We've revisited this. This is not what's going to be as far as square footage. After we looked at that, we said to ourselves, we need place on the stage for our band, for our orchestra, for our choir, for our instruments and our musicians. And so we're thinking, God, you know, you've blessed us to make this plans. We're going to plan frugally, but we're going to plan what we need and ask you to meet it. So what we're hoping is that we will have the state-of-the-art stage, musical instruments, two large screens that will have live uh, footage as we preach and as we minister, not just PowerPoints alone. We're hoping, of course, before then to, to stream our service live, and other churches are doing that. But what we want to do is facilitate uh, ministry here in a way that is worthy of what God's Word and worship is deserving of. We need to make sure that when we do things for God, we do it with excellence. Can anybody say amen? So what we're saying is by a, a, a stage that is larger, by video and PowerPoint and technology and cameras, we are hoping to enhance our music ministry, our drama ministry, preaching and teaching ministry with our choir and our band and our orchestra and instrument. We want to be able to come in this house every Sunday like today and heighten our worship experience. Amen. I want you to observe with me that along with this project, we intend to build a large, spacious lobby that will be a gathering place for all of us to fellowship on various occasions. You know, we need each other. Fellowship is important to the kingdom of God. Many of you are here this morning because somebody else told you about this church. And when you come, you would like to sit beside your friend. Can I get a witness? And the fact of the matter is, we need to pray with one another and, and meet with one another. And sometimes we come early because we want fellowship, or we stay longer because we want to get to know one another and bless one another. Some of you have been inviting somebody to your church for the last year, and you didn't realize that they told you they were going there because you ain't coming to the same service. But, but maybe we can fix that. 
And so we feel like with a, with a comfortable seating area in the, in the lobby area, and some of this we've modified for some outside lighting, etc. We'll have a beautiful water feature. There'll be the backdrop for weddings. This water feature also will be a, a place where we have our water baptism. I'll explain that in just a moment. And actually, this is the one I'm showing to you here. And what we intend to do with this water baptism area is to use it upon the occasions of leading people in obedience to Christ of water baptism. We will, this will also be a feature that we can have live cameras while people are being baptized there. We pipe it into the sanctuary. We can see the hundred or more chairs out there where an immediate family can witness the baptism of their loved ones. Presently, I am standing on our water baptismal pool right here. You didn't, didn't think I could walk on water, did you? Not water. It's covering. We have a large, beautiful baptism here. And you go in and you come out. And we, we were limited in our capacity, funds-wise and others, although we were reaching out 13, 14 years ago. But because of funds and otherwise, we said, since we don't use our baptistry every Sunday, we will modify it and use it when we can. But when we get to the place, which we are now, we're going to have baptisms as often as we want to. And what we're also seeing here is the capacity to maximize resources and funds and have a beautiful water feature, as well as do baptisms and do them honorably. Can somebody say amen to that? And so what we're saying at the same time in our lobby area, we're going to have a guest services area, a cafe kiosk, a media station. We'll have an area so beautifully done and designed until we can have small weddings there and other kinds of social events and gatherings that you will be proud of. And we'll be glad that we've created those resources as we move into what needs to happen and what God is saying to us. The ministry here at the church, known as children's ministry, is also called City Kids. And they have graded areas, designated areas of graded and age-appropriate themes. What will happen, and this is a floor plan that you cannot discern very well from where you are, but it's displayed on our vision board. Where you're sitting now will become one of the auditoriums for our children's ministry, perhaps ages 7 to 11. We will convert about a third of this auditorium, maybe from that door here to this wall, into classrooms. And then the other part to that wall will seat about 250 kids. And then beyond that wall, we will have to replace it if we move it, obviously, for expansion while we grow. We will have another graded area for age-appropriate children to learn at their level of discernment. But we are going to theme it so beautifully, so child-interested, so kids want to come in. We will make it attractive. We'll make it the envy of the adults. Matter of fact, when you drop your kids off here, I'm going to have a hard time getting you in there. So I'll have to put some toys in there for you. But we'll do that, too, and get you in there, and we'll snatch it from you and have church. But here's, here's what I'm saying to you. South Metro Ministries is not interested in having babysitting service while the adults have church. We are not interested in just having a place where we can give your kids some fruit loop and some apple juice and change their diapers that need it and then send them home. No, 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 no. We are interested from the cradle, from the nursery of loving those children to Jesus, taking a little storybook, having a little video, doing, a, doing age appropriate, tell, showing them. The Bible says when you train up a child in the way that they should grow, when they get old, they will not depart from it. Somebody ought to say amen. 
I'm grateful for my mother and father who led me the right way and took me to church. And I know we're living in an age and a culture that says, well, if you take their children to church and shove religion down their throat, they'll resent you. No, they'll resent you for allowing somebody else to shove drugs and alcohol down their throat and sex and violence while you should have had them in the house of God training them in the way of God. <laughs> oh, there's something. Okay, okay. We are going at the same time to add to our gymnasium ministry area. We call it the fellowship commons. We have no more room for our young people. They have filled up, like the children, the area of meeting on Wednesday nights and other times. They have an area that they can house about 100 or so students. And every Wednesday night, they average from 130 to 150. We're going to add a 4,000 square feet worship center adjoining our gymnasium. And they are going to have their worship area. And their worship is powerful and anointing and life-changing. It may be a little different to you, but don't forget, you were young once. Some of you forgot that. Yeah. You used to know everything too. Nobody used to could tell you anything. Huh? You used to think your mom and dad came off the ark with Noah. They were so old fogey. You know what? I, I, didn't know, I don't always relate to all the music. And I don't, you know, my kind of music, the older I get, the quieter it is. Bring it on, baby. Swing down chariot. Stop and let me ride. You know? But, but I... You know, they have, they got their music, they got their band, they are rocking and they're jamming and they're having church and jumping. And I used to think, man, when I build an extension for our youth ministry, I'm going to build it in Gwinnett County. (laughs) But here's what I understand. I understand that if we do it right and our heart's right and we keep Jesus Lord of everything, we, we can keep our young people in an environment that is full of the love of Jesus. But they'll have a gymnasium they can play in. They'll have a coffee room they can fellowship in. They'll have a game room they can enjoy each other's time with. They can hang out and have a good time and learn about the love of God because we are not raising a church of tomorrow in our youth. We are raising a church of right now, 2011. They need Jesus today. Somebody ought to thank God for that dream and that vision. I I want to say to you that along with this, and this is just again the floor design, but I want you to understand that this particular graphic or rendering on the wall represents our sanctuary, and beside of it is our choir suite and office administrative suite. So at that building, we will have new and larger and more accommodating music ministry department, accommodating with the -the state-of-the-art Uh, technology and musical instruments and resource room because I tell you God anoints what is prayed over and prepared. And we're going to have the best drama department. We have a wonderful uh, arts department now. But, oh, we're going to be able to do things in ways that God will give us the capacity. We have talented people. Can I get an amen? There are other t- Some of you out there need to be in our music department and our drama department, helping us to win souls through Jesus through those arms of ministry. And so I'm excited about what the music department is going to be like and how it's going to minister because of the new facility and additional resources. We are also going to build along with this project an administrative suite of offices. We have the people who have probably given up the most in this church by way of facilities has been our staff, full-time staff. We have put them in everything but the broom closet. And uh, we may do that next. But how many know a team needs to be together? 
And we have had them in different buildings. If we bring them all together and all of us, we can plan together, pray together, use the same central computer office area hub, same hub workshop. We can plan together. We can also save utilities uh, considerably for not having to go to different places and, and use different kinds of means that were a little more costly. Let me, let me say this to you. You come here and, and I, we want you to come here. And you're here maybe a couple hours at most during the week. And, and, but you come and you get blessed. But these things don't happen just because you just show up. All during the week, Pastor Jeff, Pastor JC, Pastor Zach, Pastor David, Pastor Daryl, myself, Miss Ann, Miss Tracy, etc. All a host of other people, our church custodians. They're always sometimes around the clock taking care of things to make sure that when you come here, you have an experience. You don't forget with the Lord. And I believe people who are serving in the work of the Lord should be provided facilities and resources and equipment so they can be a greater blessing. Go ahead and give the Lord a little clap for that. I need to also say to you that with this uh, new facility, and again, what you see is where we're sitting here is our present sanctuary. So we're going out from this wall for our new sanctuary, but we will have parking. The parking lot is full right now. Can I get a witness? The parking lot was full in the previous service. And I'm saying to you that we are going to create as much spacious parking and directional parking as we can so that we can facilitate everybody that God is sending to us. This is the vision. And I keep moving on. We're going to give better facilities to people like our ushers who serve us so well. We need to give their own space to people like our security team, people like our hospitality team, people like our benevolence team, love and action. We're going to have additional space for equipment and props and other kinds of things that any church that's doing the work of God and growing like we are need to have so that we can continue to do what God's called us to do. Amen? Let me hasten. Please tarry with me. If your neighbor's asleep, slap him. Uh, just, just kidding. <laughs> the questions you might ask and others have asked is why this and why now? It's because look around you. We are beyond seating capacity in both of these services. We are filled up. You need to understand that, that we have a gentleman, a sound man, is Brian Minnick. He's in the sound booth now. It doesn't get to be every Sunday, but he's a captain in the fire department. If he didn't like us, he could turn us in every Sunday for breaking the fire code. Now, we're not trying to break it, but my point is, we, we are saying to you, we used to have three services, brothers and sisters. And, and that's a heavy load. It's a heavy load for one preacher to carry. And after I realized that Jesus died for the church and I didn't have to, I canceled that third service and we're back to two. <laughs> we're not just building for people to come in the future. They are already here. Yeah, we're already here. Did you know that the reason why we're doing this and why now is because our children and youth facilities are at maximum capacity as well as other areas? There's a third reason why we're doing this. I don't know what the recent census numbers are for Metro Atlanta. And it was taken last year. I'm sure it'll come out soon and maybe already out. In Metro Atlanta, there are over 3 million people. I, that's limiting. Actually, there are over 4 million. I might show you this. I did some research last month when I got away with the Lord for a few days and, and pondered and prayed over this and did some other kinds of things for about four days with God. And I called up on my computer the population of all seven counties that surround Coweta. We are located in Sharpsburg, Georgia, Coweta County. There are seven counties that touch this county. 
And the combined population of the seven bordering counties of Coweta is one and a half million people. Do you know that Jesus died for every single one of them? Do you know our harvest field is not just Sharpsburg, Georgia? Do you know that all of the metro area is our harvest field? Red, yellow, black, white, brown. Do you know you and I don't get to choose the harvest field because ain't none of us died for anybody to get saved? Oh, anybody going to help me here? I got to preach by myself. Huh? Do you know that we, we don't get to make this a social club or a country club or our favorite little group and we four and no more? We, are, we don't own this place. It is the kingdom of God. And it makes itself up of every man, woman, boy, and girl that needs to know the love and the life-changing power of Jesus. And that's why I'm telling you, and I'll switch to this microphone. That's why I'm telling you this morning that, that we can't help but build. I'm saying to you that we're doing this right now because we are not involved in just trying to have a fundraiser to build this building. This is a faith raiser. Hear me when I tell you by that. I'm saying to you that God is giving us an opportunity here and now to see how ordinary people can have their faith stretched. To do extraordinary things if we'll rise up and build. You see, let me tell you this. This rise up and build campaign is not just about buildings and facilities and youth and children and stage and offices and choir and parking lot. This rise up and build is about building lives. That's the mission of the church. We, we, I am inviting you to catch this vision because we need to build families on God's Word. Rise up and build is more than just a fundraiser. We're building relationships with God and each other. We're building the house of God and the house of prayer for the glory of God. It's not just a fundraiser. It's a faith raiser. Our dream is to make a statement to the community and the unsaved that people are important to God. Hear me, somebody. And if people are important to God and we are the church, then people are important to us. Matter of fact, the future of South Metro Ministries or any church that obeys God has to do with people, people, people. You see, I I want you to understand that the... Vision God has given us is the opportunity to expand our ministry impact. Some of you are not long having been here at South Metro, Metro Ministry, so you don't know some of the history. As we go into this campaign and as I teach and instruct you and provide you information, you will know it and you will be like me. You'll even be more appreciative. In 1975, Roger and Sharon Powell was called of the Lord to start Peachtree City Church of God. Roger never likes me to ask him to stand up, so I never ask his permission. Would you stand up, please, Roger and Sharon? And would you just stand a moment? This is the founding... Stay standing, please. Please stay standing. Would you bless this man and woman for obeying God 35 years ago? Just remain standing. 35. He is the older of the two. She doesn't look 35. He is all of that and more. But just remain standing. These people... 
with a heart from God. He, ain't, he never pastored the church before, never started the church. But God said to him, go there and start the church. And they came and they worshipped and they struggled and they dug out a church that now 35 years later, we are reaching people in this county and other counties and many cities in America by our media ministry and around the world by our missions work because of obedience and sacrifice and hard work. You may be seated. Thank you. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that as, as he has moved into, he's had to move into uh, in some degree of early retirement, not full retirement because of health issues. But I'm so glad, Brother Roger, that God's brought you back and Sharon full circle so that we can continue the thing that God has started. I, I am saying to you, brothers and sisters here this morning, that why now and why this is because we either obey God or become dried up. And dead and a has been. If we don't obey God and follow his leading, some real estate company going to be wanting to sell this to some department store or some warehouse. And that ain't what God started 35 years ago. Hang in here with me to dream. I'm telling you now. You may think, you, you may think well, why did I even come today? Because God wants you to know his time and his season. You see, I, I'm telling you, I want you to really know my heart here. I know that we need buildings, but we're doing this for more than buildings. We're doing this for the marriages in our church and in our community. Marriages are always under attack, it seems like. And couples like your families, my families, regardless of how long term you've been married, we need help sometimes. We need a haven sometimes. And so what South Metro Ministry wants to do by keeping moving forward is by our preaching, by our teaching, by our counseling, by the workshops we offer, by the seminars we offer, we are saying that we need to save marriages today, not just later, but we need to build a place where families, where marriage and, and couples can go and say, look, we've tried everything else. We need God. Somebody help us. And God does that. Why now? Why this? Because of families. Do you know that, that the way our society is, people are struggling raising children, paying their bills. In, in families all across America, there are communication issues where there are communication uh, barriers, age and generation barriers. That families need to go to a place where they can find help. In families all across America, there are addiction traps out there. Where husband, wife, son, daughter, drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, meth, cocaine, heroin, and on and on. There are all kinds of traps, alcohol, there are all kinds of traps of violence. Families are constantly having the attack of Satan on their homes. And, and here's the real tragedy. That's why we need the church. Because the world system has redefined the family. You all hearing me? Hollywood, with their immorality that's anti-Bible and God, has come and redefined the family. 
And there must be a church and pastors and preachers and parishioners who say we believe in God's establishment of the family. I heard this week that Elton John and his partner, his male partner, announced the adoption of a baby into their union. You listen to me and hear me. That is not God's definition of the family. God's definition of the family is one man with one woman until death separates them. I don't care if Elton John does it, it doesn't make it right. I I don't care if Ellen DeGeneres does it, it doesn't make it right. I don't care if Rosie, whatever her other part of her name is, does it. It doesn't make it right. And what the attack of the family is, is we see kids and other adults looking at Hollywood celebrities and movie star celebrities and athletic celebrities who are having babies out of wedlock. And some of them, in every town, they can find somebody to have sex with them. You know what? You you, you thought, I thought you were going to preach about division. I am preaching division. You know what, something else? <laughs> oh, God, help me to be garden. This is the house of God. We are people of God. We are to rise up and say to our children that God has a plan He will bless. And, and, and whether, and I know there are at least five states in America that has now permitted same-sex marriage. It doesn't change God's word. There must be a church somewhere who says, I don't care what they say in Washington. I don't care what they say in California or Nevada. What I care about is one day I want to stand before God and I want to see my sons and my daughters. I don't care if the world says, if it feels good, do it anyhow. God says if it feels good or bad, if it's not in God's word, don't do it and I'll bless you. And when you obey God, you'll come out the winner every time. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that there must be a church that says we're not going to live by worldly morality. We're going to live like biblical morality. Let me tell you something. You see what? I'm going to make some of you mad and you're going to leave. And it's just going to make some more room for other people to take your place next week. Now, you know, I thought about that building program. Honestly, I thought about saving $8 million by every Sunday making a few people mad and having them leave and have some other people come on. Let me tell you something. You know how much millions of dollars the world and the devil spends to get marriages, families, and young people? Do you know that? Do you know how much money they spend on nightclubs and bars and worldly places of entertainment? And videos and movies to suck your family into a morality and lifestyle that will bust the gates of hell open. And sometimes the church gripes and complains to have to make a sacrifice in order to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. We are building South Metro Ministries and Rise Up and Build because our young people are being pressured to dress a certain way, to be accepted to text a certain text. Sex text. Y'all ain't hearing me. I used to think so, I used to think a little bit more Brett Favre than I started thinking. I hope he does retire. I used to think more about Tiger Woods than I thought. 
Listen, if you want generic preaching, soothe you and stroke you, there's a thousand other churches down the road. Y'all, you know, okay. All right. But if you want the truth, which I'll set you free, (laughs) and you believe the dynamite comes in small packages, come over to this church. Our young people are being told if you dress a certain way, tattoo a certain way, pierce a certain way, reveal a certain thing. So on their Facebooks, they're showing their bodies and they're showing, sending pictures all across the world that will haunt them five or ten years from now. Anybody here and me, somebody? Yeah. Our young people are saying if you, if you use Facebook and listen to me, I, I guess Facebook is good and I, and I know it has its redeeming values like television or the internet or computers. And some of you and other of my preacher friends have invited me to be on Facebook because they like me and want to be their, me to be their friend, vice versa. But I'm going to tell you one time, I'll tell you again. You heard me say it before, I'm going to say it again. Here's my Facebook to you. If you want to see my face, show up every Sunday on Sunday morning and we'll have church and together God will come down and we can see the face of God in our midst. Young people are being, people, people, role models in Hollywood and athletic role models that are full of the devil and hell. Just because it's popular in Hollywood or your high school doesn't mean that God's going to bless it. But there needs to be a church that says, you can come here. We didn't want you to mess up, but if you're pregnant outside of marriage, come on in. We're going to help you and keep it from happening again. But you ain't going to make that baby a memory by going and have an abortion if we can help you. Anybody hearing me, somebody? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, why am I even doing this project? Why, why am I? You see, I've asked myself that repeatedly, and I've got to hurry here. Because all y'all going to do is go eat at Golden Corrals. Here's, here's morality in America. America's morality has changed. And because many of our leaders in our country and otherwise do not want to change their lifestyle. Or role models or examples, again, celebrities, sports, and even in the pulpits. Look at me. I'm preaching to the preacher. Look at me, everybody. Look, at, look right here. Everybody look at this handsome man. And if you can't find him, look at me. <laughs> l- l- look at me right here. L- l- listen to me. You need to understand that just because we ignore a truth doesn't mean we are not responsible for that truth. Did you hear what I said? Okay. Oh, I saw that 35 mile an hour speed limit officer, but I really preferred going 55. Oh, bless your heart. Have a nice day. Same way in the kingdom. They have taken the Ten Commandments off the walls of our schools, but it hadn't changed the truth. They have taken the manger scene and crosses off of government property, but it hasn't changed the truth. And just because somebody gets mad at a preacher like me, we, we got preachers like re- recently the pastor out in Conyers who revealed that he was a homosexual. And he said he has been, and the Bible is okay with that. And anybody preaches against it don't know the Bible. Just because Reverend Sweeley, and I use Reverend very <laughs> loosely. And you can tell him I said that. I don't mind. Because let me tell you something. There are some things I don't know about and I can't speak for. But there are things I do know about right and wrong. And the Bible is not ambiguous about sin. 
Okay? And just because Reverend Sweeley has changed his mind, and Ted Haggard had changed his mind, and a few others down the, 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 the spiritual tree changed their mind, and now they're still preaching and still homosexual lifestyles, doesn't mean that you and the rest of us ain't accountable for the truth and them also. Okay? So I'm saying to you, what used to be taboo is now accepted. And some folks, if they don't like the way I'm preaching because I'm old-fashioned in my theology, I'm only obeying the Word of God, may elect to go to some kind of liberal place where all they want is your money and they'll soothe you and stroke you as long as you keep putting the money in there and ignore your sin. Some churches, they don't mind whether you fornicate or adulterate on Saturday night, just bring your money on Sunday. There's some churches who even have a bar where you can go to the bar first. I'm telling you, they have facilities. Anybody hearing this... Please listen to me. Please listen to me. Okay, you need to understand. The truth may make you mad, but it will set you free. Okay? And just because there are other places now that house looseness and worldliness under the banner of the church doesn't mean that God has changed His mind about morality and truth. We are building, we are rising up and build, not just because we want to compete with the Baptists or the Methodists or the Lutherans or the Catholic. The last thing I want to do is have a monument for Alan Matura. I'm not building a monument for Alan. You know why? I'd have to pay for it if I did. I'm not interested in building me a monument. Matter of fact, I can be real happy with just two services and uh, about 1,100 people every Sunday. And again, you know, my system is to make something mad every week. and I can do that if I want that. But I, it ain't my church. I was reminded last week it wasn't my church. My point is this. It's his church. And I'm saying to you, you don't have to be a preacher where one day you're going to stand before God. Well, I thought it was just for preachers. Oh, I thought it was just for them tongue-talking Pentecostals over there with that little bald-headed man. And No, no, same Bible for everybody. Everybody. If you live in it, he'll bless your socks off. Did you hear me? I mean, God ain't just... In, in, I'm, saying, I'm not interested in just building a monument for me. That's not, I'm also not interested in building a monument for the Church of God. Understand? Uh, we are part of a denomination that's worldwide, 8 million members, and, and this is a Church of God church. Okay? And I respect my bishop, and I respect those who are over me. I'm answerable to those people, but I don't like them so much that I want to build them a monument, and me pay for it, let them have it. <laughs> I feel like, whoop, glory. Come. i got to hurry here. Uh, what I am interested in is being an agent of change in a dark world that needs a lighthouse on a hill. I'm interested in building a place that will be like an emergency room intensive care unit for a sick world that's about to die with the cancer of sin. That's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in building a harbor for a world that's tossed out on a sea out there where the devil and hell and temptation toss us on the sea of life. But the house of God becomes the harbor. We can come in and get help for another day and make it through another storm. I'm not interested in man's title or denominations. I'm interested in taking some souls whom the devil would like to throw in hell for eternity and grabbing them out of the hands of hell and saying, Not this one, devil! Not that one! You're not going to have my son or my daughter or my grandson or my granddaughter! Not this child! They belong to God! As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord! Oh, mama, mama, mama. Please indulge me. This is the most important sermon I've ever preached in my life. I'm telling you this. 
You know, you don't get important sermons based on folks shouting and jumping and clapping. You based important sermons on obedience. I have a last thought, and I'll try to wrap this up. What should I expect? Meaning us. You should expect several things. I'm not setting you up for anything. I'm going to be transparent and honest with you. This building program will come about because we obeyed God. I've never been in a building program where I didn't have some opposition. I've never been in a building program where some people didn't leave me. I've never been in a building program where Satan didn't show up to discourage me. But I've gotten past all of it. And that's why you're sitting here today. So what you should expect is, I'm asking you today, right now, please lift up your card. Lift it up, lift it up, lift it up, hold it up. Everybody lift it up. Wave it at me a little bit. Come on. Wave it at me. Thank you. Let me put them down. 31 prayer points, one for each day. Here's what I'm asking you. Begin praying for Rise Up and Build. This is the theme for the next three years for South Metro Ministries. Rise Up and Build. I have, along with the staff, prepared this prayerfully. 268 of you have signed up to read your Bible through this year with me. There may be more on you. You can just let us know if you haven't signed up yet. If you want to sign up and start reading your Bible through with us, start reading. I think you need to get to about Exodus 20 or so. I'm not sure. Or maybe beyond. Some of you may have your chart. If you start reading today, you'll get caught up. And then after you do your daily reading, I, you know what, what's pleasing me? What's pleasing me is I see you with your Bibles. I see you with your chart in your hand. It's like this. This is what I'm talking about, the United in Prayer. And I'll answer my own questions right now by telling you if you're going to get caught up. Today's January 23rd. You need to read through Exodus chapter 18. Read the Word. And when you get through reading the Word every day, insert this in your Bible starting today. And then pull it out and say, today is 23rd day of the month. And beside it, it says world missions and missionaries. I'll pray for them today. Can I get an amen? You pray for some, pray for all. I got a card. I got a card last week from India. A Christmas card from India. Not early, it was late. And it said, Merry Christmas, Father. I made two trips to India in the past and said, Merry Christmas, Father. And when I opened it up, it was signed by 13 children. And I thought, I said to Anne, uh, before Valerie sees this card, I have been to India, but I haven't been that active. At all, any at all. They see me as their spiritual father because you and I every month send them checks. They're the first 13 children in an orphanage in Bangalore, India, that you help us build. Last December, Christmas Sunday, Sunday before Christmas, I'm hurry. The pastor from Grenada, Pastor Marcus Christopher and his wife Judith, and his congregation moved into their rebuilt church. Small island of Grenada, 35 miles long, maybe 8 miles wide in some places. 
In 2005, Hurricane Ivan demolished their church. For the last two years, we have sent them combined amount of $70,000. And they have a debt-free church because of you. Pray. Let me tell you what to expect. Expect that obedience to God will cost us something. Say amen. If we were still under the old covenant, the ushers wouldn't be passing the bag. They'd be passing some other things. Because you'd have your goat, your sheep, your cow. I imagine, I don't know, was it based on how big your sin was the week before the size animal you brought? Good Lord, we'd have to build some barns, wouldn't we? Just, just teasing, that was not the case. You know what it, how it works in the kingdom? It works in the natural world. If something don't cost you something... You won't appreciate it. Me too. It's going to cost us something. Obedience always costs. Let me show you something else to expect. You expect that I'm going to ask you to partner with us in Rise Up and Build. Please listen to this. When Moses was told by God to build the tabernacle in the wilderness, he told, God told Moses, ask the people to bring offerings. Can I get an amen if you know your Bible? Tell them to bring gold, silver, linen, animal skins, etc. Tell them I'm going to build them. We're going to build a mobile tabernacle while they wander in the wilderness. And they are the ones who are going to build it. And the Bible said they brought so much offering that they had to tell the ushers, don't go back anymore. Don't take up any offering anymore. I'm praying for that day here. When God told David to build the temple, God told David to tell the people, bring offerings. So I'm not apologizing by asking you eventually to give. I'm hurrying. In March, we're going to have a Sunday known as Commitment Sunday. Between now and March, I'm going to prepare you for Commitment Sunday for Rise Up and Build. I'm telling you all this so you won't be surprised. We have a group of people that I asked to serve in various leadership capacities to get us to Commitment Sunday in March. We're going to have eight different meetings between the end of February and the end of March. Where we're going to ask you and your spouse, if you're married or you alone or your family, to come to at least one of the eight so that I can share with you on a weeknight or a Sunday evening for about an hour and a half. We'll have refreshments, etc. And I will share with you and you, we can do the Q&A and tell you what God's saying to us to build. So everybody can know individually. Next month, I'm going to give you a 12-page brochure. I'm going to give you a DVD with an animation of our building and you take a tour through it. I'm going to give you other resources so that you won't be surprised. You'll know exactly. It's going to cost us $6.5 million. We have a debt of $1.5 million. We need $8 million to make it all happen. Somebody said, Pastor, how are you going to pay for that? He's going to pay for it. And I'm going to ask you and me to help. I don't know. I, I argue with God all the time. Look at you looking at me like you just now seen a new gate. You argue with God all the time. I said to God, how come you can't make it easier to give us money to build a church? 
I mean, after all, you got streets of gold up in heaven. Why don't you send us some pebbles off the street or one of them street corners so we can sell it and build the church? Here's something that God, I can't understand, God. Here's something that will always mystify me, but, but it also amazes me. How God uses you and me to fund His work on the earth. Somebody didn't hear me. I don't know why God chose you and I to fund ministry. Hospitals, orphanages, churches, buildings. He said, I'd use you. Why he asked slaves in the desert to bring an offering when they ain't got a toot? But they came up with it. So listen to me. I want you to start praying. What can we do? And then in, in Commitment Sunday, I'm going I'm to ask you to once a month or twice a month or weekly to give above your tithe and offerings to rise up and build for three years. If you can only give a one-time gift and you can't give three years, do what you can. You make a commitment, you can't keep it because things change, change the other way. It's not a legal contract. You don't have to keep it. But also the, the adverse of that is God gave you more money and you want to give more. Bring it on, baby. You hear me, somebody? I said, God, how are we going to do this? Last month, a gentleman met me and said, here's an offering I want you to put in the building fund. I want it to be a memorial for my mother and father in the new church. Last Sunday, after during this week, the secretary told me that there was a special gift given, a large offering, unexpected for the building fund. A gentleman came to me this morning, Pastor Jeff, and didn't know I was preaching on this at all. I haven't announced to you I was preaching on this. Pastor, I just need 10 seconds of your time. And I thought, oh, maybe this is going to be a little too hard because I'm so busy on Sunday mornings. But I stepped out and he said, my wife and I have been blessed. And here's an offering in an envelope to the new building, a substantial offering. You know how we're going to pay for this? Just like how I didn't know we'd pay for the property 1987 when we bought these 10 acres I didn't know how just like I didn't know how we'd buy the other 10 acres just like I didn't know how we would buy those houses down the road over the years that's how we're gonna pay for it. just like I didn't know how to pay for that 3.3 million dollar ministry center just like I didn't know how to pay for them pews you're sitting on I'm gonna keep trusting and believing and I'm gonna ask you to partner with us to partner with us Jimmy and Debbie Rickett are our campaign managers Jimmy and Debbie would you stand please and remain standing they already lead our Golden Eagles ministry. Jimmy is a member of our building committee. And I've asked them to lead this campaign with other directors and other people. And they've agreed. Last September, Jimmy, Debbie, and several of us traveled to Texas to be equipped for this Rise Up and Build. Remain standing, if you will, my brother and sister. And let me introduce Ann Jackson, which most of you know. And Ann may be doing her Ann things in the office. She always is so efficient. She'll be an administrative assistant for Rise Up and Build. Our group fellowship directors will be Darren and Angie Fitzwater. Thank you for tearing Darren, Darren and Angie and, and remain standing. We have eight group fellowships. They're going to make us happy by preparing some refreshment and food and making everything good and nice. So when we get your belly filled, I'll hit your pocketbook. Just kidding. But we're going to have some refreshments. We're going to have childcare. Remain standing. Our prayer directors are Sammy and Deanna birds. Would you stand up? These are the love birds, Sammy and Deanna. I would never go into this project without bathing it in prayer. That's why I gave you this. They will lead us in the next three years.
special emphasis of prayer, especially the next three months. Remain standing. Our invitation directors may have had to leave. They were not able to stay later, but Todd and Trinisha Rainwater, we are going to invite you. They're going to invite you. Todd and Trinisha are going to have a team of people to call you and say, would you come to one of these eight meetings? Tell us which one you'd like. Or we'd ask you to come to a particular one so I can share my vision with you. And we're going to communicate by invitation, email. And if we have any twits that know how to tweet you, they'll do that too. We're going to invite you to come and you're going to say, yes, I want to be a part of it. Did I hear that? Thank you. Thank you for four of you that will say yes now. Looks like we'll have to keep calling. Uh, Our leadership commitment directors may have also... Well, Matt, I see you here. Matt and Connie Palmer. Matt, would you stand, please, sir? Matt and Connie Palmer will handle the aspect of our campaign with our leadership team and our commitments related to that particular aspect of this campaign. And I'm hurrying here to tell you, and just remain standing, that we have planned over this. We have prayed over this. We have sought the face of God. We're not come Johnny, Johnny come lately kind of people. And what and somebody says, Pastor, why, why ask for a commitment? Because Jesus did. Why ask for a commitment? Because the bank says what you guys over in that church call faith, we call risk. Show us the money. Can I get a witness here? We're going to ask you for commitment so we can say to the bank, we need to borrow this amount of money. But our church has agreed for the next three years that they're going to pay back because of their pledges this amount of money. Don't run and don't be afraid. Because when you are a giver, God has you in mind first. You may be seated. Thank you. Come, ushers. This is, the altar call is different today. It's obedience. I had a certain part of the service earlier where I asked you to give it to the Lord. Did I not do that? He can take care of it. I'm not asking you for commitments this morning. But I'm asking you to give your tithe and offerings like every Sunday, like you would today. But here's something else I'm going to ask you for. Not a three-year commitment today. Later on, that will come in its right time. Come, praise team. What I'm asking you is to join me this morning. I got that man's gift in my hand right here. He gave this morning as the Holy Ghost sent him, not knowing I'd preach this. And I said to myself, I'm going to keep it near me. I'm going to ask you to help me this morning by doing something extra with your tithe and offerings and sowing a seed today into Rise Up and Build. Whether it's a penny, ten cents, five dollars, a hundred, a thousand. Look at me just a minute. If you got eight million dollars, would you shut me up? I challenge, I dare you to shut me up. You got eight million dollars. Bow your heads. Lord, I never have to beg for you. Nobody has to beg for you. And I'm not going to tell these people I'm going to give them a free trip someplace or a free TV or a free car. I'm not going to use that, Lord. And I'm not against anybody who's done that. I don't have any agenda here if anybody's ever done that. I'm not here to bribe people to build the kingdom. I'm here to invite them to obey the Lord. We are sitting in a place that somebody else made available to us. And now we're going to sow everybody while I pray. Get you a piece of money in your hand. You won't, at this point, I won't consider you disrespectful if you make some motions towards getting an offering so you can give to God and sow today. And so, Father, I ask you today to multiply the seeds.